Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. What is Christianity all about? That's a pretty important question, wouldn't you say? If someone were to come up to you and ask you, why are you a Christian? What would you say? Think of it in your head. Not what is a Christian, but why are you a Christian? What's the reason? It's a pretty hard question. Well, I hope by the next two months, you would be able to answer that question boldly and profoundly. And with all your heart. Because many of you here today may know the answer of, to the question, what is the gospel? Or what is Christianity all about? But in your heart, you still have not believed in Jesus. You may know it in your head, but your heart, you don't believe it. Others of you love Jesus and the gospel, but maybe you're having trouble articulating it. Sharing your faith. What is the core message? And you don't know where to start. See, hear me on this. The gospel, that word gospel, is the most important thing that you can know in all of your life. It's the most important news you could ever receive and know and believe. It's, the most, it's more important than anything in life. It's what life is all about, is the gospel. Now, what is Gospel mean? It means good news. Can you guys say good news? So when I say gospel, you say, there you go. That's what gospel means. And what is the good news? That's what we're going to learn. So where do we start? Where do we start? What is the gospel? And what verses are we going to memorize? I know you got your cheat sheet here. But where do we start, all right? And we start, we have to start when asking, asking the question, where's the gospel? We have to start at the beginning, which is why you're in Genesis 1.1. We have to start off with God. And the main point that you need to memorize, the first point of the gospel is this. God created and owns all things. Let's say it together. God created and owns all things. Right there, thumb back. That's the main point of my message. God created and owns all things. Look at Genesis 1, 1. So what is God? How do we know there's a God and why did he create us? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And look at verse 27. Skim down to verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God He created them. Male and female, he created them. That's your verse. That's our verse for tonight. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created man in his own image. So, what is God? Kind of weird question, right? What is God? Point number one. God is the first and greatest being. He's the first and greatest being. So, if our main point is God created and owns all things, then what is God? Point number one, God is the first and greatest being. In the beginning, God. 
You've got to circle that word God. Fourth word in the, whole, in the beginning of the Bible, God. What does it mean that God is the first being? This does not mean that God was created or was the firstborn. Any of you firstborn? Definitely the first and the greatest in the family, right? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's the joke. Everyone uh, younger is like, no, 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 no. That's not true. I'm the oldest, so I had to say that, okay? Right? God is the first being. It doesn't mean that he was created. He was not born. He doesn't have a beginning. What this means is that God is unlike, there's no God like him. There's no other God besides God. He is the one that has always been. He is eternal. Isaiah 44, 6 says this. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. God is the first. There's none before him. He always has been. There's only one God and he's the first being. In fact, he is eternal. He's infinite. He never had a beginning. See, you had a beginning. God never had a beginning. This microphone had a beginning. This stage had a beginning. Everything we see in this life, this earth, the cosmos, the stars to the smallest parts, those all had a beginning. God never had a beginning. He is eternal. He is the first being. Everything we see began because there is a God who was there. Every effect, that is everything that we see, has a cause, which is God. God created all things. He is eternal. And since God is the first and only being, this means that he must be the greatest. Because if he's the first, he's got to be the greatest, right? If you're in first, you know, if you're, in first you're, you're the greatest. He always has been. He's not dependent on anyone. So why is he the greatest? Look at Psalm 96.4. For great, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 97, 9. For you, O Lord, are most high above all the earth. He's the greatest. Like we could think of your favorite sport or musician or artist. And each and every one of you maybe has an opinion when I ask you, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who's the greatest singer of all time, right? You know, you could, you could think of all this. Who's the greatest actor or actress? You know, you go on. What's the greatest move? God is the greatest. He's the first and he is the greatest. Not only because he's infinite and eternal, but because he's all powerful. He is all knowing. There's nothing outside of his knowledge. And he is, and this is the key one. Why is God the greatest? Because he's self-sufficient. Can you guys say self-sufficient? Self-sufficient. What does that mean? It means that he is completely independent. He doesn't need anyone. You, all of you and me, we're dependent. I'm dependent on water and heat and these clothes to keep me warm, right? I, if I don't eat, I will die. If I don't drink, I will die. I'm dependent on my wife. I'm dependent on God. I'm dependent on my parents. I'm dependent on the government. I, we're all dependent. But God is independent. He doesn't depend on anyone. He doesn't need anyone or need anything. He is the greatest. 
He is self-sufficient. He is 100% independent. See, Thor, he depends on his hammer. Iron Man, his suit. Superman, the sun. The Hulk, his anger. But God depends on nothing. Are you guys correcting me? No, was I wrong on that? (laughs) They're all dependent on something. And God has no weaknesses. He doesn't have kryptonite. He is the greatest. He is the first and the greatest being. He is majestic. He's glorious. That's the first thing that we need to recognize. But some of you might be asking, well, how do we know what you're saying is true? How do we know there is a God who is the first and greatest being? Great question. Second point, God has revealed himself to us. We know because God has revealed himself to all people. He has revealed himself to all people. In verse 1, Genesis 1.1, we see that in the beginning, God created. He created the heavens and the earth. The reason we know there is a God is because God in his grace has revealed himself to mankind. Now, how? How does he reveal himself to you? How does he reveal himself to the atheist? How does he reveal himself to the Muslim or the Jehovah's Witness who believe in false demonic gods? How does he reveal himself to them? See, not all people believe in the true and living God, but the Bible teaches that all people know the true and living God. Did you know that? Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Paul is saying that even the atheists, all of them, they, what, is, what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. How? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Boom. Ding, ding, ding. And the things that have been made so that all people are without excuse. Student, look at me. Every single one of you is without excuse. You all know the true and living God. And you all will stand before the true and living God. So how do you know? Paul says, by the things that have been made. By creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. Every time you walk outside, you drive. You know, the last week or so, when we saw the, the, the frozen fog, you guys remember that? And what it did to the trees is so beautiful. We see that it declares the heavens declare the glory of God, his majesty. It's speaking. God's creation is speaking. There's a God. I'm here. I created it. You, you're so intricate and all of your, uh, you know, and the way that you were made and the way that you think, look at, look into someone's eyes tonight. Just look at the intricate uniformity and and the form of it. It's, It's beautiful. How could that come from randomness? How can something come from nothing? That is such a fallacy. I don't know why people believe that. It's illogical. It's irrational. That human beings would come from, that rational human beings would come from the irrational bacteria. How does that happen? How does the irrational produce the rational? The person that could think. The thing that can't think produce the thing that does. It's because God has revealed himself to us. He has created us. 
God reveals himself to all men. Why is it, student, that if you were to travel and go to far distant lands that have never read the Bible, that don't know Jesus, and know what you would find there? You would find people who are worshiping false images that they created. Why? Because they have a sense of the divine. They have a sense that there is a God, but they're just clueless as to who to worship. And so they create their own God. God has revealed himself to us. First by his creation, just like when we watch a movie or we play a video game or we see a painting, we automatically deduce that there was a creator of that movie, of that video game, of that painting. God's creation plainly speaks to us. Secondly, all mankind knows there is a God because of their conscience. You know right from wrong. And you know when you break God's law in your heart, when you sin against him, you feel guilty. You feel shame. That is God revealing himself to you, showing you that he is the one who created you. And God has also revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the word. 2 Timothy 3.15 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. God, did you know this student? God has given us his word to reveal himself to you specifically. See, nature... And our conscience are not enough to know the true living God and to be saved. We need to know the message of the gospel. We need to know the message of the Bible. And God graciously has given us his word to reveal himself. God wrote a book. God wrote a book. Like this is his book. And it's revealing himself to you. So how do we know? There is a God who is the first and the greatest being because he is revealed to us in his word. He's revealed to us in nature and in the fact that we are created in his image. So that leaves us with the third question and the third point. Why did God create you and me? Why did he create you? Why are you alive? What is your purpose? Point number three. God created you to glorify and enjoy him forever. God created you to glorify and enjoy him forever. He created you so that you can walk with God, that you may know him, that you may have a relationship with him, that you may glorify him, worship him and enjoy him. Look at Genesis 1.1. You guys got your Bible open. Genesis 1.1. Let's read verse 26 to 27. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Here's the key. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Students, did you know that there is a purpose behind God's creation? He didn't just do it randomly or carelessly. 
He didn't fashion you carelessly. You were beautifully and wonderfully made. God isn't careless, but there's a purpose. God has a design, a purpose for his creation, and it was that we would be his images on earth. We're made in his image. That's a weird concept. What does that mean? Does that mean that God looks like us? That we look like God? Like we're his statues? In a sense, we're kind of like a statue or like an image. But God, we don't look like God, and God doesn't look like us. God is spirit. But we are his representatives. He made us to represent him. To be made in God's image means this. And this is so important for our day and age. All right? So important. So listen to this, please. To be made in God's image means that our identity, who we are, and how we should live is not defined by what you believe or what you, your feelings say that they are. See, there's a lot of these lies going on in our culture that say your sexuality is what defines you. And how you feel is what defines your sexuality. Or your sports is what defines you. That you're only as, uh, as good as you are at your sport or your job or your school. All these things are what define you. That gives you purpose and meaning. But that's all a lie. Being made in God's image means that you were made with a specific purpose and that your identity, who you are, is defined by God. And God is wise, he's all good, he's just, he's right, and he knows what's best. We are defined by who God says that we are. You are free. <clears throat> there's, there's that lie that says that you are free to choose who you are or what you do is what gives you worth, value, and dignity. That true meaning is found within you. But the Bible says no. True meaning and worth, value, and dignity is found in the fact that you are created by God. Society doesn't give you worth, value, and dignity. Your job, your friends, nothing. God does. That's why all of your lives are precious. They're precious. You were made in his image. You need to understand, friends, that the world is not your friend and that God is the one who defines who you are. Well, you say, that's not fair. I don't like that. I don't want God to define who I am. I want to, I want to define myself, you may say. But let me give you reasons why it is great news that God is the one who defines who you are. That he is the one who gives you worth, value, and dignity. It's because it's not found in anywhere else. Look at yourself. Be honest. You're flawed. Your feelings change. You're wrong. You fail. You're sinful. You're not perfect. You don't live up to the world's standards. No one does. When you want to define who you are, you're only setting a standard that's impossible for you to keep. God is the one who gives you, who defines you, who gives you worth, value, and dignity. And it is his word that you must base your life upon. God is the very opposite of who we are. He is good. He is loving. He is perfectly wise. And he, his ways are so much better than ours. Listen to this. Proverbs 14, 12. It says this. 
There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You want to go your own way? You want to define your own self? That way ends in death. Being made in God's image does not mean that God is like us or looks like us. Like in the same way that you look like your parents, being made in their image, right? It means that we are his representatives. We're created to glorify God, to enjoy him, to obey him. And what's so amazing about our God is that he's big and mighty. He's glorious. But at the same time, he wants to have a relationship with you. Not only is he big, but he comes in and he moves in and he knows you, each and every one of you, intricately. He loves you. He, he, he wants to have a relationship with you. That's what's so amazing with, about the Christian God. That God is the creator and owner of all things. What do I mean by owner? Well, just like a painter has rights over his painting. Well, in the same way, God who created you has rights over us. He owns us. And we were made to worship him and live for him. And if you are here tonight and you know that your life is more about glorifying yourself and enjoying the world rather than God... And you need to turn from your sin. You need to repent. And you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the whole purpose for God's creation was to bring glory to himself in the person of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for sinners. And if you have not believed in Jesus, tonight is the night to admit your sin and put your faith in Jesus so that you may have a relationship with God, that you may glorify and enjoy him forever. This is the first point. God, there is a God, and he created and owns all things. 